Lynn from the lectern. The epistle is taken from the letter to the Galatians, and we're reading um, chapter 6, verses 1 to 16. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbour's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. See what large letters I make when I am writing in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised. Only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law. But they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace... 
your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking, whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. And whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And may I now speak in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, such that their name and their name alone is glorified. Amen. Would you please be seated? If you had the good fortune to grow up as a child with a children's Bible, I would hazard that your children's Bible included our very first reading, which Keith read to us earlier, from 2 Kings chapter 5, The Healing of Naaman. It's a great drama, isn't it? A slave girl says to her mistress that only if her master were to go to God's prophet in Samaria, he would be healed of a disease which was incurable at that time, leprosy. Clearly desperate to be rid of his affliction, which made him something of a social outcast, despite being the king's commander of the army. Naaman and his wife believed the slave girl's story. And likewise, his king, the king of Aram, who sends Naaman with instructions to the king of Israel for him to be healed by the prophet Elisha. Well, the king of Israel, to use a colloquialism, does his head in. When the king of Israel read the letter, we're told, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends a word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Well, Elisha hears of the king's response and offers his help. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman comes to Elisha's house, expecting the prophet to meet him and declare healing over him. But what happens? The prophet doesn't even come to greet the VIP, the distinguished general. 
Rather, he sends a messenger to him. Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Naaman is furious with Elisha's message. I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abama and Fatha, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. Well, he's lucky. He had good servants who clearly esteemed him. And despite his rank and the fact that it took something to go to your Lord and Master, they went to him and were able to placate him, saying, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean. Well, he was humble enough to listen to the advice of his servants. And he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy and he was clean. That's the story in a nutshell. But as always with many Bible stories, there are layers and depths of revelation we so often miss when we first hear it as a child or even as adults. Could it be an archetype or an allegory of evangelism, for example, how to point others to God and his saving grace? There was that young slave that made Far from her own country and family, had been captured as a spoil of war. In several ways, she took great risks by speaking up about the prophet Elijah. Yes, she claimed that Elijah was a prophet and a man of God, but was she sure he could heal leprosy? I'm sure the king of Israel knew about Elisha, but he didn't think about it. Elisha. If the king of Israel doubted that such a thing was possible, healing leprosy, was it just blind faith on the slave girl's part that Elisha had the power through God to do the seemingly impossible? There was no pressure on that girl to speak up. She was a slave, just the, the, the wife's handmaiden. And her freedom was not likely to be secured by Naaman's healing. Yet conscious of the plight of Naaman, and maybe because she loved her mistress, she had compassion and she had boldness to speak up to her mistress. If only my Lord were were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Are you willing to speak up in the same way where need is visible or expressed to you. Maybe someone is in pain. Someone, a colleague in the office, or you start talking with someone and they share about their illness, their cancer, prostate cancer, COVID. 
someone with an affliction of body, mind, or spirit. Because it can be a mental issue. Someone going through difficult relationship issues that they share with you. Have you got the compassion, the guts to say to them, I know someone who can help you. Can I lead you to him by introducing him? He's my God. He's Jesus. And what he, God, cannot do does not exist. He's truly the God of the impossible. And just like Naaman was healed of the incurable, and we're declaring over Aki that that result will be negative again. So he can bring healing and resolution to whatever problem or, res- or issue you have. You see, that slave girl turned out to be an evangelist, pointing to the man of God, Elisha, in the same way those by, sent out by Jesus in pairs in our gospel story went to villages and towns throughout Israel pointing to Jesus. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God brought to earth by Jesus. But there's more treasure, more we can dig out from that story of Naaman. Naaman knew his need for healing and wanted to be healed despite the seeming impossibility of there being no known treatment for leprosy in those days. So only in the 20th century, if you remember the story of, I can't remember the name, who went off to the jungle in the, Congo, in the Congo to work with lepers in the colonies there. But only in the um, 20th century were these modern drugs discovered. Is it sulfonamides? I can't remember. Which actually cure leprosy. Naaman didn't just laugh and say, this is my lot. It's impossible to be healed. No, he grasped at the very slim hope the slave girl offered. Somehow he was able to put on one side common sense, rationality, experience, I've got to be realistic, and grasp the slim hope he was being offered. His situation was desperate. Yes, he was the commander of the king's army, clearly very successful as chief of staff, as he was a great man, and in high favor with his master. But life must have been incredibly difficult because as a leper, he would not be allowed to sit close to the king. He would have to be at a distance. And even in his own home, household, he would have had to have separate quarters and be estranged from the rest of his family. The easiest thing would have been for him to accept his life sentence or should we say death sentence as a leper, there was, no, as there was no medical cure and it could get worse and worse. But through the encouragement of a mere slave girl, he dares to hope for healing. Well, are you like the Naaman who grasped that slim hope offered by the nameless slave? Or are you the Naaman who says, I have this condition. It's not going to change. I must simply make and live 
my life around that fact. I'm glad Aki shared his testimony because he could simply have said, ah, they've diagnosed leukemia. I've got it. I will just do and fall in line with it. And that's the human response. But are we going to make and live a life around a fact which is opposed to God's truth? Many Christians are predisposed to being like the latter, Naaman, as I call him, Naaman number two. Oh, they say, God knows where I am. If he was going to heal me, he would have done so. I'm just going to make the best of the situation I find myself in because he obviously wants me to go through this. No, he doesn't want you to go through your cancer, your sickness, your difficult relationship issues. Do you believe that he's the God of the impossible? That what God cannot do does not exist. People of God, let's stop limiting God. Naaman, a foreigner to Israel, had the faith to believe, to set out on a long journey from Syria to Israel, just on the say-so of a slave girl. And maybe God is calling you today to rediscover faith, to believe that he can bring healing to you, that condition you live with. It might be your arthritis, your backache, the cancer, whatever it is. Maybe God is calling you to believe that he can bring healing to you or to a loved one, can turn around a difficult situation, can provide the impossible. That what God cannot do does not exist. That what God cannot fix does not exist. That what God cannot solve does not exist. Of course, we all have family and friends who poo-poo your faith. Oh, you're clutching at straws. Be realistic. They'll say like the world always does. Be realistic. This is how things are. Your cancer can't be reversed. Your inability to bear children is an irreversible fact. With X or Y cannot be restored. Such was the king of Israel, who should have known better, because I'm sure he knew of the work of Elisha, having known of Elijah beforehand. It's not always easy maintaining our faith in the midst of naysayers, especially when what is needed is a miracle, and you know it's a miracle that's needed. But what does Jesus do in our gospel reading? He sends 70 of his disciples out in pairs to cure the sick. To do the ministry that he himself had been doing. Did he send them to cure just some of them? No, all of them. Because they were awestruck, ecstatic when they came back. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Clearly, they've been able to fulfill their commission to heal all and not just some. Naaman's story, though, has still more to teach us. Naaman had the incredible faith to set out for an enemy country 
because at that time an uneasy truce seemed to be in place between Syria and Israel. But he fell prey to the common misconception that still affects us today. That if we're suffering for something serious or we want something big and miraculous to take place, God must do something that we understand in our heads to bring about the miracle we need. Remember his words. I thought that for me he would surely come out, stand, call on the name of the Lord his God, would wave his hand on the spot and cure the leprosy. And being told to wash in the Jordan was not what Naaman wanted to hear. And he went away, as you heard, in a rage. Have you been facing problems or decisions which you've been asking God for guidance or deliverance for, or breakthrough for. Perhaps it's been indicating a direction or path for you to take, but you're not seeing it. And I think it was Nikki had that word earlier about the wide path and the narrow path. Perhaps it's been indicating a direction for you to take, but you're not seeing it. Perhaps you're so convinced the answer will come in a different way that you're ignoring the get out of jail sign. Now, sometimes we do need help from others to see what we can't see ourselves. In Naaman's case, it was his servants who put aside their perhaps understandable reluctance to put their head above the parapet, to speak to their master. They clearly esteemed him, maybe loved him, and put aside their fear of punishment because he was in a rage to speak to him. We all need friends like that. And as Christians, it's so important to have Christian brothers and sisters in Christ who are also listening to God on our behalf. It's why we encourage people to get into house groups or find other Christians and pray with them in prayer triplets or similar. We need wise counsel from others who are also listening to God as we face the challenges that life can throw at us. And maybe that's why Jesus in the gospel reading sends his disciples out on mission in pairs. He could have had 70 different works going on at the same time, but it was 35 pairs who went out. Maybe he recognized that in the difficult times when he foresaw that they'd be rejected in some towns, They would need to encourage each other when doors were slammed in their face, when people tell them to get out of their town. Maybe each person would need somebody else to encourage them, to pray for them, to encourage them to carry on the task in another place. And as our reading from Galatians points out, we are to bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. It's interesting too that Jesus sent them to towns and places where he himself intended to go. He didn't send them to places where to save him going there. He himself intended to go to those places. They were the warm-up act 
for the revelation of the even greater glory he carried. And before Pentecost, remember there were times the disciples couldn't always heal or set people free and would turn to Jesus for help. But after the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, Jesus promised you and I that we would not just do the same things, but greater things. Jesus willingly invites us to share in his absolute authority over sickness and the devil. Last week, Helen emphasized to us the primacy, the primacy of God, the need to give Jesus absolute priority in our life. The story of Naaman brings this up in what I think is a humorous twist. Remember, Naaman complained that he thought Elisha would come out and just speak over him, wave his hands, and be healed of his leprosy. I think Naaman was actually prophesying what was to come with Jesus. Because when Jesus had come down from the mountain, this is the beginning of Matthew 8, great crowds followed him. And there was a leper who came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Elisha was God's prophet and he cured Naaman. There's no doubt about that. And that's what mattered to Naaman. But he wasn't the Messiah. And there was clearly a level of anointing on Jesus which had never been seen before. He didn't have to tell the leper to go and wash in the Jordan. I do choose. Be Be clean. As we marvel at the story of Naaman and his healing by Elisha, perhaps the greatest wonder is that Jesus invites all his followers, you and I, to participate in his mission. And as in our gospel reading, gives us his authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and that nothing will hurt us. I came across a song recently which actually seemed to summarize a lot of what I've just been saying, the sentiments. It's called Same God. I think it's about Elevation Church. I'm calling on the God of Jacob whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness. I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. And he goes on to say, you were a healer then. You are a healer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were a savior then. You are a savior now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touched the lepers then. 
I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. Almighty river, come and fill me again. Well, let's do that. Why don't we stand and we're just going to ask the Lord to fill us afresh. Aki's shared his testimony. And some of you may have need for healing. Put your hands out, put your hands up. And we're going to call on God's mercy and grace. He's faithful. He's faithful even when we are faithless. And so let's cry out to him now. You know your need. Even if it's not for yourself, you know someone in need you can call out for now. And so let's call him now. Let's pray. Abba, Father, let your spirit fall afresh in this place. Father, come and heal your sons and daughters. Father, break off doubt, despair, disappointment, and ignite faith, Lord. Ignite faith afresh. For we know, and I know that you are a good, good God. That you desire the very best things for your children. So come, Lord, and fill this place with your presence. Let there be testimonies of your goodness. As people wave, they'll try out bits of their bodies which they know are not working, which they know are in pain. Come, Holy Spirit. Come do a new work. Restore like you've restored Aki. Restore. Restore. I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare and not for your harm. Thank you, Jesus. Receive his peace. Receive his healing. Lord, let your love just flood this place afresh. Revive hope where there is none. Break off shackles of the enemy. Can I encourage you to continue to press in as we sing again as the music group come forward? Sing. Keep pressing in. Keep testing out. Thank you. Thank God for Him. Thank Jesus. What he's doing.